0: the good news of Jesus Christ. It needs to be heard and received. It is that on which we stand and it is that by which we are being saved, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. So if this is so central to our lives as Christians, the gospel, I thought we need to follow that up with making sure we know what the essentials of the gospel, what are some things that if we don't have this, we don't have the gospel. So we've been doing that for six weeks and today we're on the sixth of those six weeks. Uh, If you have been here or haven't been here, a review might be helpful. Inside your bulletin, there is a sermon notes page, and I'm not going to take time to go through them now, uh, but there are the five gospel essentials that we've looked at so far, and today now will be the sixth. And as we get to this sixth one, I want to make sure that we emphasize at some point in this that that the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just something that, that saves us in the past and in the present and causes us to look forward to the future, but it's something that has an impact on the way we live every single day of our lives. We should and could and will, I think, praise God for His mercy and grace. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we, sinners who can't save ourselves, can be saved from God's wrath, justified, declared righteous before God, born again to a living hope. And like we talked about last week, the good news is that we have stored up for us an inheritance in in heaven, kept in heaven for us, uh, where it can't perish, spoil, or fade In any way. And so today the question is well, what does that look like for right now, for today? And the title of today's message is simply this New Life. These gospel essentials are not just a list of things to memorize and believe, but they're also truths that radically transform the course of our everyday lives. And so I think we're going to see that here today. Today we're looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Uh, And here's what I think we're going to see there. Those who God saves are united to Christ Jesus to live a new life. Those who God saves are united to Christ Jesus to live a new life. Let's see if you hear that as we walk through this passage together today. Our custom is, if you are able, that we stand as we read God's Word. And so, would you... Stand as we read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Uh, let's pray. God, I, I need help. We all need help. Our minds, our hearts, were are maybe weary, we're maybe distracted, and I thank you that your Holy Spirit dwells in all who believe. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, who inspired Paul to write these words 2,000 years ago, that that same Spirit who who Raised Jesus from the dead and now dwells in all who believe that that Holy Spirit, that your spirit, God, would be at work amongst your church to build us up according to your word. We're thankful for the new life that is ours in Jesus. Help us to walk out of here today more thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14, God's word says this, what shall we say then? Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him Well, I had kind of a plan as I went into this. Like I had an outline of, here's what I think the gospel essentials generally are topically. And then I wanted to go back. And I knew that when I did this, I would come to the end of this. And then I would look back like three months from now and say, I should have picked a different passage for, for this essential. right? Or I wish I would have come up with a better sentence than I did. Um, I understand that. But we've gone to Romans. I look back now. We've gone to Romans, this wasn't my plan going into it, four out of the six times that we've looked at a Gospel Essential, we've gone to the book of Romans. If you are, are not familiar with the book of Romans, I encourage you to take time. You can't just read through it quick, but take time, work your way through it. Many call it the greatest letter ever written, and I would agree. So encourage you to spend some time in Romans. We had two messages in this series in the first section, from chapter 118 through 320, and that section is mostly about our sin and God's just judgment. But then we had another message that came in the next section. So from chapter 3, verse 21, really through the end of chapter 5, the theme is this. It's God declaring sinners righteous, God justifying sinners by His grace through faith. So, that's what we've seen in the book of Romans that gets us up to where we're at now. And one thing that's been very clear in the book of Romans is that none of us can be saved by any kind of good work that we do. It's just not possible for us to be saved by our works. So, Kind of a logical question that comes from that is, well, does it really matter then what we do? Like if 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 what I do, if what I do can't save me, does it really matter what I do? Like, sometimes sin is more fun than not sinning. So could I just like go on sinning because God's gonna give me his grace and I'm not saved by my works anyway? That's the question that Paul is acknowledging that people will ask as we get to Romans chapter 6. And Paul's answer, let's look again at verses 1 and 2 here in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? And then he asks the question, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he has a pretty strong answer right away there in verse 2. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So so he's going to talk a lot about death and life. The the reality for those who are believers is that our old self has been put to death, and we've been raised to live a new life. More on that here in a little bit. But that's a hard concept because, like, we don't see that totally, right? Like, well... I mean, there was, there was Jeremy before Jeremy was saved and there's Jeremy and I'm still Jeremy and I still have you know, the same family and all of that kind of stuff. So what does he mean that, that the old self has been put to death and there's a new person? What does it mean like we looked at last week to be born again, right? So these are hard concepts. That was just the chair, we're okay. Um, these are hard concepts uh, for us to, to wrestle with. And, and Paul recognizing that, uses an illustration. And the illustration he uses is something that presumably all of the believers in the church in Rome have experienced. That is baptism. That baptism is the illustration or the picture of the reality of an old self being put to death and a new self being raised to new life in Christ. So that's what we see in verses 3 and 4. Let's just read those verses again. Verses 3 and 4, it says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, just as Jesus was put to death and buried and raised from the dead, Right? This is what really happened to Jesus. Jesus put to death, buried and raised from the dead. So it is with our old selves, buried, uh, put to death, buried and raised to new life in order that we too might walk in newness of life. So here's a principle that I think is certainly communicated in this passage and elsewhere as well, and it is this. Baptism displays an identity it doesn't create an identity. Okay? Baptism displays an identity. It doesn't create an identity. And even that illustration might be like, well, I need to help with another illustration, so I'm going to use one that I've used before. Okay? Um, and so maybe, maybe you might remember this. Um, you might know, if you know me, that I like the game of baseball and I like the Minnesota Twins. So, as a result, I have purchased a twins hat and I occasionally wear this twins hat to identify myself with the Minnesota twins this hat does not make me a twins fan I do not become a twins fan by putting this hat on but I am a twins fan therefore I put the hat on if I were to take this hat now Randy Smuck is back in church with us she hasn't been here for a while she's wrong she's right about a lot of things but she's a Royals fan Okay? If I were to walk to the back of the sanctuary and put my twins hat on Randy, she would probably rip it off her head, uh, but if I put my twins hat on Randy's head, I could not by doing that make Randy into a twins fan. Right? She, she's a Royals fan for better or for worse I guess. right? Uh, and so, so me putting this on her is not going to change that reality. Right? So I put this on to display a reality, not to create a reality. I put this on to display my identity, not to create an identity. Likewise, baptizing someone as an infant or an adult has no power to cause a sinful heart to be transformed. Right? By, by baptizing somebody, either by sprinkling as an infant or by immersion as an adult, that has no power to transform somebody on the inside, to take a dead sinful heart and to make them alive again. Baptism instead displays an identity, not creates one. I can't put anybody in Christ by baptizing them, but I encourage people to choose to be baptized as the God ordained way to publicly proclaim your identification with Jesus in His death and resurrection. So, verses one to four get at this new life by talking about baptism, and, and you'll notice in verses one to four, I think I have it on, underlined in those on the screen. On the screen there, uh, all of this language of union with Christ. We're going to get to more of that here in the next passage. But notice all of these things that that highlight union with Christ. We're baptized into Christ Jesus, into His death, buried therefore with Him. More on that in a minute. But I'm going to pause after each of these points for some brief application. Application point number one is simple. It's this. Has God given you new life in Christ? If so, get baptized. If you are someone who by God's grace learned at whatever point in your life. Maybe you were a young child. Maybe it's just recently. But if you, by God's grace, have learned the truth that you are a sinner before God, you are one deserving of God's wrath, and you are unable to save yourself, but somebody loved you enough to tell you the good news... That Jesus died and was raised from the dead so that you could be justified by God, saved from His wrath, and born again to a living hope with an inheritance in heaven kept for you. You then, as you put your faith in Jesus, have a new identity. There is a transformation that has taken place, a conversion that has taken place inside of you. It's an internal reality. This is what has happened to all who are saved. According to this passage, you have died to sin. Your old self, ruled by sin, is put to death and a new life has been raised up. This is a miraculous work of God. And the way that this work that's happened inside is displayed is through baptism. It is good for a believer to be baptized for the good of others to witness it for the good of yourself to experience that, and for the glory of God in obedience to Him through being baptized as a believer. So I'm just going to make a really simple application point. If God has saved, if God has saved you and you have not been baptized as a believer by immersion, I urge you to get baptized. We'll, we'll gladly take this thing back out like a month from now uh, and heat up the water again, and, and I know, like, there's, there's things that would make you pause, uh, and say, I'm not, I'm not sure if I should take that step, I would just encourage you to uh, talk to me, I'd love to have, you know, like, have that conversation with you, um, uh, and I'd encourage you to search the scriptures, and see what the scriptures have to say about baptism, even passages here, like Romans chapter 6. Um, by the way, one thing that maybe sometimes causes some people to say, I'm not sure, that I want to get baptized. It, so Naomi is going to be baptized today. And and uh, God has given her courage that she's willing uh, to not just be baptized in front of all of you, um, but also she's going to stand here in front of you and share her testimony. That's great. She, did, she didn't have to do that in order to be baptized. Uh, and and so, um, so anybody who's going to be baptized will, would share their testimony with me, but you don't have to get up in front of the whole church and share it into a microphone. So if that's the only thing stopping you uh, from from taking the step of obedience in baptism, I encourage you not to let that stop you. Um, uh, I would love to hear your testimony and would love to baptize any who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. So, simple application point number one. Let's move on to verses 5 through 11. Now, verses 5 through 11 are super, super rich, but I'm doing like an abbreviated sermon Uh, because we're doing communion, we're doing baptism, we're going to hear Naomi's testimony here in a little bit. And so I'm not going to be able to take the time to highlight all of the glorious truths in verses 5 through 11, but I do want to just point out a couple of things that get repeated in verses 5 through 11. What we see, I think, repeated here is this glorious reality of all who trust in Christ being united to Christ. Do you see that over and over again in verses 5 through 11? If you look at verse 5, you see it. It says things like, United with Him in a death like His. United with Him in a resurrection like His. Okay? You see it in verse 6. Crucified with Him. You see it in verse 8. Died with Christ. Also, live with Him. So, you see this theme of new life in Christ. Uh, having this, this sense of being united with Christ, having union with Christ. And then there is this glorious reality in verse 11 that there was this old self with an old master that has been put to death and we've been raised to live a new kind of life. Look at what it says in verse 11. Verse 11 says this, So you also... Must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's application point number two. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I I don't try to get super creative. I don't know if you noticed that. Creative as I get is my twin's hat illustration. Okay, I just want to say what the word says, and here the application is pretty simple. Paul tells the church in Rome, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to tell the church in Iowa Falls, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Right? Here's the reality. Do we, after God has saved us, do we still face temptation to sin? Yes, right? Perhaps for you, your tongue is especially sharp. Perhaps for you, your eyes are quick to lust after what is not yours. We are all tempted in a variety of ways. And the command here in verse 11, to Christians, is a vital command. It says again this, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is our new reality. Verse 6 said this. Verse 6 tells us that we are no longer enslaved to sin. Our old self crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So we will still face temptation to sin, but the good news for us who are in Christ is that sin is no longer our master. We're no longer enslaved to sin. I don't have to do what sin tells me to do. I don't have to say this, drink this, look at this, whatever it might be. Verse 11 is just saying, "Well, just remember that. Consider this. Consider yourself what you actually are. Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Sin is no longer your master. Jesus is your master. When I'm meeting with someone to prepare for baptism... I think probably every time, except for when I met with you, Naomi. I totally forgot to talk about this, so this is me talking to you about this right now. Okay, um, When I meet with somebody uh, to talk about baptism, I, I, I always mention uh, that, that you need to be reminded over and over again when you're faced with temptation to sin, one of the beautiful things that a baptism does is it's a physical thing that you will remember so that in a moment when you are facing temptation to sin... Even though you know the reality that I'm dead to sin, sin's not my master, but, but, but having that picture of an actual experience of being put totally under the water is a reminder that that old me that used to just listen to whatever my body and heart told me to do, I don't have to do that anymore. Right? And so there's this beautiful picture in baptism of being buried with Christ, my old self being put in the grave, and it's no longer My master. So consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then the last three verses. Our new life in Christ looks like us asking God, use me as your instrument. Use me as your instrument. There's a therefore there in verse 12 that points us back to this. It says this, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey God its passions let's keep reading do not present yourselves to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments for righteousness and in this for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace So because you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, this is your new reality. Because you are now united to Christ by faith, because your old self is put to death and buried, and you've been raised to a new life, there's a command. Don't let sin reign. Before, there was no way we couldn't let sin reign. Sin reigned. Sin was our master. But part of what's happened for all who have been saved is we've been set free from sin as our master. And so we can obey the command with the Holy Spirit living in us, we can obey the command, don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's not in charge anymore, so don't let it be in charge. Don't willingly give yourself over to your old master who brings about destruction. Let not sin reign therefore. Instead, he calls them, don't don't present your your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. But instead, present your bodies to be utilized by God as an instrument of righteousness. That God's work would be done through you. Naomi is going to share her testimony here in just a couple of minutes. And one thing you'll notice when she shares her testimony is it doesn't end with her conversion. Right? It doesn't end with God save Naomi Someday Naomi's going to heaven and nothing in between matters. Oh no, that's not the truth at all. You're going to hear her testimony. And in many ways, conversion is just the beginning. God is already using Naomi as an instrument in his hands to accomplish his purposes in this world. And that's true for all of us who are in Christ. And so application point three is simply this. Let God utilize you. Let God utilize you one more baseball illustration. Some of my favorite players in baseball are are called utility players. You know what a utility player is on a baseball team? It's a player who can kind of just be put by the manager wherever that player is needed. They're not an expert, highly specialized in just one thing, and that's the only thing they can do. A utility player can be used by the manager to be put in whatever place he wants. They're an instrument to be used. We need this to get done. All right, that's what I'll go do. What I love among many things about our church is that we've got a bunch of utility players in our church, people that are willing to be used by God. There's something that needs to be done. I see it. I'm going to go do that. There's somebody that needs to be loved. I'm going to go love them, right? Right? we have a church full of utility players and praise God for that, that we would be people who don't let sin reign in our bodies, but instead give ourselves to be used by God as instruments of righteousness. I I like words a lot and there's a verse in a song that has a lot of words that I think are uh, very fitting for this final application point. And so I'm just going to close with those uh, and then Close in prayer before Naomi comes up. Listen to these words from a song called Instruments of Mercy. These words The same God who measured the waters in the hollows of his holy hands is the same God that uses broken man to expand his fixed plan. Sovereign, infinite, eternal, personal, and intimate. Independently playing the harp with the various parts of our heart's instrument. A symphony of saints. Saved from sin, singing spiritual songs. Pausing in awe, where all praise and all applause belongs to God. Stretching and bending, pitch pruning, tightening and tuning. It's the residue of His resin that's the evidence of His divine choosing. Using the weather and the storm to conform us into the image of our glorious Lord. Scorn to compose a score being stitched together in melodious chord. It's the strumming and pressing of strings that momentarily stings, but in the end, it ultimately brings us to a place that causes hearts to sing. With your hands, play your song. Use my life. I'm your instrument. This is a prayer, right? Tune my heart to sing your song. Use my life. I'm your instrument. Let's pray. God, you have done great things, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I'm not who I used to be, and I'm standing in a room with a group of people who are not who they used to be. And it's not because we've worked really hard and we're doing a pretty good job at doing pretty good, but it's because of Your grace that our old selves have been put to death, that sin no longer has dominion, that we have been united with Christ and raised to new life. God, thank You for Your gracious work and help us to live that new life. Not letting sin reign, but being utilized by You. Help us when we face temptation to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to You in Christ. I pray that we would all be encouraged now as we hear Naomi's testimony and witness her baptism as a beautiful picture of the new life given to us in Christ. Would you use it even today to draw people to yourself and to cause some who have been